Welcome to the Vietnamese Boat People podcast, a show that brings you the stories of hope, survival, and resiliency of the Vietnamese diaspora. Today we bring you a student spotlight on Tung Pham, a graduate student at Yale School of Art. You might have noticed our new art cover of the Vietnamese Boat People podcast. That was designed by Tung. He was selected by our panel of judges back in December 2018 as the winner of our logo competition. When I first saw his submission, it was love at first sight. It wasn't just the abstract rippling of the ocean wave that had me at hello. It was also the unique typography that was inspired by the signage that covered the streets of Saigon in the 1970s. And the choice in using the electric blue color that added a punch representing the courage and bold journeys that were taken. Here's an excerpt of what he wrote with his art submission. My practice explores how design is a means of distributing, translating, and cataloging power through language. I'm interested in how language affects identities and marginal groups such as my own. As a person who immigrated to the United States, language has been at the stem of my experience, and existing in this liminal space has helped me form my perceptions of citizenship, nationality, and identity. Throughout the past few decades, much of my family have emigrated out of Vietnam. The stories of their arduous journeys are close to my heart, yet fairly enigmatic. My submission shows the logo divided into two by an abstract tearing. This tearing alludes to the separation of families, a rippling wave of ocean water, and paper being torn. When I read this submission, I knew there was even more depth and complexity behind the design than what was written. It made me want to learn more, so I asked Dong for an interview. I was born in 1990 in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, or Saigon. That's what my family always calls it. And I came over to the U.S., uh, I want to say late 1992. So I have three siblings in total. Um, they're all much older than me. It's one sister and two brothers. So, um, and when you say much older, are we talking about 10, 20 years? I think... The next youngest sibling is 17 years older than me, and then the oldest, my oldest brother, is 20 years older. Okay, so it's a good gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I like to joke that I never really felt like I had siblings. It was more like extra parents or people. <laughs> One of my brothers was already living in the U.S. because his in-laws were American. My whole family was just in Vietnam. And so then we all came over together in a group after, because he brought us over. Okay, so, he sponsored you guys yeah. over. Your memories about adjusting. Do you remember what it was like, what you were feeling, or any specific moments that kind of have stuck with you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember this one time. It was, I think I was about four years old, and um, we were living in Missouri at the time, and one of my cousins was living with us, and I think she had already spent a year or so in, like, an American high school, and she told me, like, before you enter school, we need to give you, like, an Americanized name, like an English name. That it would help, like, the teachers and the other kids, like, adjust to you. And so she, like, gave me this name, which was, like, Johnny. And I didn't really have a say in anything because I didn't really understand it. I went by that name for so long. And I just remember, like, really early example of being taught how to, like, code switch. At first, I was, like, it was just, like, natural. Just how I lived, like, I, would, I went by one name here and then one name at home. Like, I just remember, like, roll call, for example, in, like, the first day of school when you're, like, 
six or seven or whatever. The teacher would go down the list of names, and of course, when they get to like my name, they're mispronouncing it. And I'd have to like, oh no, 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 I go by Johnny, you know? After a while, it almost felt like I was like apologizing or hiding something. And I know that's like really reading into it, but there is a sort of performative aspect to it that builds up over the years. And like when I couple that with all these other things in my life, going back to Vietnam to visit multiple times, you, it starts to get me very like introspective. And then like over time, it was something I started to really struggle with. Why do I have to go by these two different names? And now it's, I only go by, um, well, my name in Vietnamese is Dung. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because um, most people just call me Tuan. So wait, how old were you when you decided to go back to Tuan? Oh gosh. It was much later. I would say probably when I was like 20. Between the age 2 to 20, uh, how many times or when was the first time that you went back to Vietnam? Because leaving at 2, you don't remember Vietnam. Yeah. No, I have no, no memory of like, you know, my, of living there. I went back two times between like 2 and 20. And it's actually interesting. Like the first time I went back, I was just so out of my element. Because I, I was living in like American suburbia before then. And to go to, like, home to, like, Saigon, I don't know. It's just a diff- such a different rhythm of life there that at first it took a lot of adjustment, but I, like, I fell in love with it. It just felt so much more raw and real. Um, every single time since then, it's, uh, it's become, you know, just more westernized and more globalized. So I'd love to hear um, how you decided to pursue the arts, um, if it's something that you just always have grown up loving and realizing you have talent in. And also, I know coming from Vietnamese parents, whether or not your parents <laughs> reacted favorably. Yeah, my parents definitely fall in line with the stereotype that they did not approve of it. And um, they wanted me to, you know, become like a doctor. I wanted to be that for a while, but I was always sort of skirting around being exactly what they wanted. And so I think subconsciously, I like went into design because there was, I had this interest interest in like communication. And I think that's sort of something that was like a bridge between like an interest in talking to people and an interest in like using something visual to communicate. And also I think subconsciously, I was just trying to move as far away from there was like a sense of like escapism or something to be far away from what I knew and maybe also far away from what my family wanted. Yeah, I think a lot of friends I've talked to who are Asian American or just immigrants, there's always like this sense of rebellion. How did they react? Did they finally say, do what you love? It was actually really hard for them at first and it took a lot of, a long time for them to sort of accept it. Um, And now they're sort of in this phase where it's, difficult for them to understand exactly what I do. So yeah, I think they I think they accept it now, but it's still like an adjustment for them and it's still they're still asking me lots and lots of questions. I would bet that they wouldn't be comfortable describing it to someone. So on that note, um, how has being Vietnamese been or any part of your personal life been an influence in your artwork or the things that you create? It's actually been a big influence for me because I spent a lot of time here sort of exploring and dissecting questions like how do certain groups communicate with each other, especially like marginalized groups, and also thinking about how like technology and language have the ability to like translate and communicate and document experiences. And I often like draw on my own experiences to like 
formulate possible answers. So it's definitely something I am interested in and working with, but it has been a useful, like, sort of like approach to my work. If you had to sort of describe your artistic style in a couple of sentences, how would you describe it? Oh, gosh. I feel like for a lot of people, uh, design acts as like this commercial service. And that's largely the capacity I worked in prior to coming back to school. And I think looking at design that way was really stifling. I'm back in school now and I'm trying to almost unlearn some of that rigid behavior. I guess to describe my style right now would be to be a lot more loose about what I do and make and trying to convey things, I guess, in a more challenging or, or not literal way. But I try not to think too much about like having to have a style. It's more about an approach for me, maybe. You know, the question about like greatest influences in terms of like, I could actually name you like two Vietnamese entities I have discovered and followed in the past few years. One of them is an artist. Her name is Hung Ngo. I think her words are like non-fluency is like a site of like survival resistance. And it was really beautiful hearing someone talk about something that's really negative and casting it in like a still vulnerable but very positive light. So I love that approach. When I started the Vietnamese Boat People Project and the podcast, one of the things that I really wanted to make sure it wasn't was just a bunch of sad stories. And reflecting on it differently, I think, has always been what inspired me. And so that was one of my things is I, I want to share these stories so that they are inspiring. Um, mm -hmm. They're told by people who aren't sitting there saying, you know, I feel sorry for myself, but they're sitting there saying, wow, I can't believe I lived through that. Um, but it's very much kind of, I re relate to that message. It doesn't have to be dark and sad just yeah. because that moment in time was dark and sad, right? Like these yeah. stories can be told um, in a very different tone and, and be very yeah. inspiring and touching at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I think that maybe maybe that's my approach is trying to really show that things are complex and maybe not just boil down to one thing. By having that ambiguity, it gives you a lot of freedom too, I think. There's this art collective called the Propeller Group, and a lot of the work they do has to do with like how Vietnam is perceived because of like the media and capitalism. They have this approach that's sort of uh, in between fine art and like mass media art or like uh, almost like advertising. And I, they really sort of relish in that ambiguity. And they always talk about how confusion is actually a really good thing because it forces people to reanalyze. Just like a combination of those two approaches can be really admired. Talk a little bit about the interpretation of your artwork, the meaning behind what you created. So I got an email from David Blackman, who is our director of student financial resources, just saying like, this is an opportunity for a scholarship and it would be, it's for a really great cause. And because I was doing so much work about my own identity, of course, I just saw the word Vietnamese and I was like, oh, what could this be? And I, I mulled over for a while because I was like, oh, I'm so busy, but I was like, it's worth a shot. I should just make something that I feel like is honest and what I really love and whether or not it wins is not too important to me. And it's funny, guys, I got multiple messages from people just saying like, you should do this. I saw this and I thought of you. And so... As for how I interpreted it, it's 
To me, it feels almost indescribable, the kind of toll that being a refugee would have on like the body and the psyche. And this is coming from someone who is not a refugee. To me, it was like this visceral force that separates people from their homeland and like families from their loved ones. And I wanted to make something that could express that. And I know like with the logo, the most apparent thing is it looks like there's this wave that's like bisecting the title. But to me, it's almost like it's it can be actually made up by um, ripping paper in half and like editing like an image of that. Because to me, it was like very force of nature, people traveling across the ocean or across the land that's so arduous on the body and that's separating them. But there's also like people losing like their birth certificates. And so it's just really, I wanted this sense of like violence to it because it's something that reverberates throughout, you know, communities and generations, but also something that was um, still beautiful. And uh, like I said earlier, maybe a little ambiguous to exactly what it is. And then when you look at the torn pieces in the ocean, that's, I think, is my favorite part because uh-huh. it's a very uh, subtle representation of it's not about physical losses, but sort of the bits and pieces of your emotions, yourself, um, mm-hmm. you know, every bit of your history, whatever it might be uh-huh. that was impacted through that that journey and that separation. And this is a bit of maybe post-rationalization, but hearing you talk about how you wanted to document, represent these stories, not necessarily just something that's very sad, um, but also like stories of survival and like um, the human spirit. It's also kind of like, looks like a glass half empty, half full. What do you hope people will take away from the project? I thought about this. I think what I would hope is maybe some answers and some empathy. I think a lot of people have a hard time getting these answers from their own family. And so to be able to start to hear other people's stories or, you know, even tangentially feel like you're piecing your own, retracing your own legacy or lineage is really great. So there's that. And then also... I just think if someone's listening and they're not, you know, connected to Vietnamese people uh, directly or indirectly, that they can hear, like, these are the stories of refugees and there are other refugee groups that exist today and their stories, you know, are equally needing to be heard. And hopefully this gives people, like, that empathy to listen. was Dung Pham, a graduate student studying graphic design at Yale School of Art and a multifaceted artist that we are honored to have representing our logo design. For more details on this episode and to connect with Dung, go to our Instagram at Vietnamese Boat People and look for episode 7. Please come shop Dung's winning design at vietnameseboatpeople.org forward slash shop. All sales will support our nonprofit so that we can continue to bring you more stories on our podcast. A portion of profits will also be donated to the Multicultural Refugee Coalition, an innovative nonprofit organization blending skills based education with social entrepreneurship to connect refugees to dignified, fair wage work in Austin, Texas. I'm 
Tracing Wen Meng, and thank you for listening and helping us preserve history. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Vietnamese Boat People. And if you have a story to share, email us at stories at vietnameseboatpeople.org.